Hello, and welcome to Cave to the Cross Apologetics. I'm Tony. I'm Patrick. And we are continuing our trek through um, John Frame's book, Apologetics, A Justification of the Christian Belief. And he is in Chapter 7, where he's now dealing with the issue of um, the problem of evil, which he's already suggested is probably uh, one of the most um, uh, toughest issues that Christians have to do with regard to objections to Christianity. Now, what he says he wants to do is to look at it through a biblical approach and not just a philosophical uh, approach. And so he's working through in this particular chapter what the Bible does not say about the problem of evil. And in doing that, that allows him to now uh, critique some of the various answers that philosophers have given with regard to the problem of evil that he doesn't think work, right? And so uh, one of the first ones that uh, we looked at is uh, has to do with this whole idea of the, the you know, contribution of evil. Um, uh, he talks about how evil perhaps doesn't exist, right? It's just an illusion. He doesn't think that one works. He deals with Leibniz's uh, position on this is the best of all possible worlds, right? So evil contributes because it has to be there to make this the best of all possible worlds. He doesn't think that one uh, works as well. You know, you can have perfection in a, in a best situation without having evil. God is perfect and he's, there's no evil there. The original creation was all good and there was no evil there. So you can have a, a world without evil. So he doesn't think the best possible world uh, defense works either. The next one uh, that we now have come to is the what he calls the free will defense. Right? And so this is an extremely uh, common defense, he tells us, among professional philosophers today. And it's based on human free will. So the free will defense says that evil came about by the free choice of rational creatures, Satan or Adam or every. And since that free choice was in no sense controlled or foreordained or caused by God, then he cannot be held responsible for it. And therefore, the existence of evil uh, does not compromise God's goodness. Now, notice uh, early on in the chapter, and I, uh, we want to mention this, he makes this distinction between natural evil and moral evil. Right. And he yeah. believes that natural evil can be explained by moral evil because natural evil came about uh, as a result of the curse of God on the earth uh, because of moral evil. And so he's spending this chapter dealing with the issue of moral evil. That's the right. more important one, right? And so here it is. It's because we choose to do evil, and therefore that's why evil is here. Right. It's your fault. It's your fault for <laughs> all the evil in the world. So yeah, as uh, you know, from from there you would say then the moral evil comes about. Uh, then uh, God uses the natural evil to uh, punish or to prune, uh, depending on um, um, whose audience is. And, and so he's saying, you know, okay, well, uh, here you've made the free choice of, of doing evil. Well, now here are the repercussions that, uh, that I'm going to allow to happen. And so um, th that, that's where I think a, a lot of people uh, kind of like this uh, a lot um, because it, it uh, tends to remove God from the equation a lot more. 
But at the same time, that, that might be removing him too much from the equation uh, that he'll go into. Well, Scripture does teach that man is or can be free in certain senses. So one uh, is that he does what he wants to do, acting in accordance with in accordance with his desires. So that that's something uh, that qualifies uh, the, the 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 free action here. And so again, we, we don't want to talk about uh, well, you know, I, I I have the free will to flap my arms, and suddenly I'm going to sprout <laughs> rings. Well, that's that's a, a bit too free. Uh, but but here I, the qualifications is if if you have a desire, then your choices will be a product of that. And so it's it's uh, uh, something that I think uh, Scott Christensen covered uh, well in his What About Evil is uh, you just have these kind of free-floating ideas that you just do if they're not grounded in desire uh, because then you're just making, you're, you're not even making choices. You're just making actions that have no, it's not tied to anything. But if you tie it to desires, then we can talk about kind of the human nature, the human heart uh, being evil. And so uh, therefore you can uh, uh, do no good because uh, all your good deeds, quote unquote, are like filthy rags. So um, I think uh, qualifying it with uh, or grounding free actions within desires, I think uh, uh, adds a lot uh, to the discussion here. And that's what uh, Frame does. So whether those desires are holy or wicked, uh, again, the, the, the desires come out. So that's how we can be pleasing to God because we desire to do good. And from there, um, our actions please God. So that's one. But two is that Adam had the freedom or ability to choose either good or evil. The fall removed this freedom from us or fallen creatures can only do what is evil. And he gives uh, scriptural support there in Genesis and Isaiah and Romans. But redemption restores this freedom to those who believe, Second uh, Corinthians 5.17. Three, the redemption brings us to an even higher freedom, a freedom from sin and its effect altogether. John 8.32, freedom from sin, you are free indeed is the usual meaning of freedom in the New Testament. So you're, 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 you're free from uh, that desire. Uh, and, and so when you sin, um, you, you um, are harking back to uh, an old, um, uh, unable to get away from in this world, uh, spiritual sense. And so um, you're, you're no longer slave to sin where your desires are all evil. Uh, e even when you want to do good, but here a freedom from sin is uh, usually what's meant here. And then finally, we are free in the sense that we are not helpless victims of historical determinism. Ooh, historical determinism, even worse. <laughs> Scripture does not allow to plead a deficiency in a hereditary environment, psychological balance, or a self-esteem, for example, as an excuse for violating God's commandments. We are all in our actions responsible to obey the Lord. So uh, Bakari and Bentham, uh, they came about and said, uh, you desire to do evil and you commit the crime. And so you uh, looked at the choices and you said, I think uh, the the bad choice outweighs the repercussions. And so you do the bad thing. So uh, a very uh, free will action of uh, the, some of the earliest uh, uh, philosophers of criminal mindset. <laughs> All right. So... <clears throat> So this, you know, free will defense he's suggesting here is is uh, is again he's looking at scripture to try to determine exactly how this particular position matches up with what scripture has to say 
with regard to the problem. And he says scripture does teach it, right? That uh, we are in a sense free um, in terms of uh, acting in accordance with our desires. Adam was free to choose good over evil. Uh, Redemptions brings a higher freedom. And of course, uh, we're uh, free in terms of we're just not hapless victims of determinism, right? And so, uh, yes, scripture does seem to suggest that there is at least to, to in a certain sense, uh, a freedom. Further, he says, scripture does not agree with the, def- uh, does rather agree with the defenders of free will in teaching that the blame for sin rests on man rather than on God. So even when scripture specifically mentions God's foreknation of an evil event, that the blame for the evil rests exclusively with the human perpetrators. And he gives, uh, you know, scriptural support for that in Genesis 50, where, you know, Joseph's brothers, you know, kind of chose to uh, to do that deed against Joseph. And yet, uh, you know, uh, they are blameful for it, even though God had predetermined uh, that that was going to happen and it was going to fulfill his good purposes. But he says scripture does not teach in fact, he says it denies free will in the sense that it's used by the free will uh, defender. Uh, for on that view of freedom, that is the free will defense view of freedom, um, in what he calls Armenian, Armenian freedom, right? Uh, man's free choices are not in any way foreordained or caused by God. And yet scripture frequently speaks of God's determining our free choices. Again, Genesis uh, 50, 20, Acts 2, 23, 4, 27, and so forth. Yeah, yeah so e- even if you want to put the idea of of the, um, the cross and the resurrection at Genesis 3, which I would say is way too late because it's even before the foundation of the world, but let's put it at Genesis 3. So at Genesis 3, you have two people, and then they have their progeny and their progeny and their progeny, and um, you have the, the rise up of humanity and you have the different lines that are followed in the Old Testament. And you have to preserve all of those. You have to preserve every single facet of that, at least from the Davidic line to Jesus. All those people have to survive. They have to get married. They have to not be cursed so that their bloodlines cut off. Uh, and then on top of that, you have to... Uh, um, allow for the the freedom of every Roman, every Greek to produce and pilot to be uh, risen up and, and stay in power and then listen to the Pharisees who call for capital punishment on someone who has done nothing wrong. Uh, you have to make pilot not listen to his wife, which may not be the hardest thing in the world to, to, to do. Uh, but you all those things have to come into uh, a, a, a formidable uh, um, like hope that God has where he's just uh, a- allowing for uh, these free actions uh, independent of him to take place, to get yeah. to, to, to the cross. And how do you make claims of, of yeah. prophecy uh, within those choices? I, I think those are uh, very hard to, to um, undo within the Armenian system. And not, not to say that there's no answer for it that, that someone uh, who would posit that uh, w- wouldn't give, but I'm just saying there's a lot, a, a lot there to, to cover. 
All right. Well, it is remarkable that Romans 9, where the problem of evil is explicitly raised, Paul does not resort to the free will defense. Rather, he contradicts the assumptions of that defense. In Romans hmm. 9 and 14, the problem of evil comes to four. Was God unjust to ordain evil for Esau before he was even born? And what does Paul say? No. Why? Well, the free will defense would say that God foresaw Esau's autonomous free choices and therefore uh, determined to punish him. But Paul traces the evil to God's own free choice. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. God is able to freely make that decision to bless the younger rather than the oldest. He's he's, uh, uh, not going to stop Esau from uh, giving up his birthright for a, a bowl of soup. And all, all these things that come about that uh, seem to thwart the um, kind of normal goings on of, of what we would expect. And, and that's the, the, the crux of the story. That's why we're reading the story, because this uh, uh, um, big divide between a family and then the, the culmination of that, too, is, is a, a beautiful story of, of redemption and forgiveness as well. Uh, but here, uh, pa- Paul is, 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 is the, the interlocutor. He's, he's expressly uh, 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 talking to the people that would bring this type of um, charge against God who would want to believe in the, in the free will defense and, and posit it against the kind of reform position, which uh, Frame would hold to. Right, exactly. So notice what he says here is that in Romans 9, 14, this Esau, God, you know, choosing Esau or uh, Jacob over Esau, is the uh, exact position that you would expect Paul then, if he held to the free will defense, right, would jump in and say, well, God, you know, saw ahead of time what Esau would do. And so based on Esau's free choice, God chose Jacob. But Paul doesn't do that. Paul (laughs) says, no, it's based on God's choice, right? So where you would expect free will to just come in, uh, Frank says, Paul avoids it. And he doesn't he doesn't talk about it. Another place is in Romans um, 919. The problem of evil comes up again, he tells us. Why does God still blame us, Paul says? And again, the answer is not, he tells us, because God does not control our free choices. Rather, the answer is that he has full rights over us to do whatever he sovereignly chooses to do. And so what uh, Frame is trying to suggest here is the very places where you would expect the free will defense to enter in. Uh, it's totally avoided, right? And uh, and Paul in, in Romans uh, chapter nine doesn't mention it, and, and in fact uh, goes against it. And so he tells us here: the Scripture never uses the free will defense in any passage where the problem of evil is up for discussion. He says, "You will not find it in the Book of Job. You will not find it in Psalm thirty-seven. You won't find it in Psalm seventy-three. Indeed, all these passages presuppose the usual strong view of divine sovereignty. And so, basically, the free will defense is unbiblical. The Bible doesn't use it. Right, right. Uh, Jesus doesn't use it when uh, you know they're talking to him about uh, the tower that fell on the people." Uh, nor the the um, the Jewish uh, um, bu- um, the, the Jewish people that uh, were killed by by Pilate uh, uh, and their their blood spilled uh, in a in a uh, terrible way a sacrilegious way uh, he he doesn't point to say well you know that's just people using their their 
uh, free grace to, to, to do what they want and God will judge them. Uh, he, he uses it as a source of saying, uh, listen, uh, you're no better than the tower that fell on them. The tower that fell on them happened. And so you should take solace in the fact that, uh, judgment is coming for us all. And, uh, now's, now's the time to make yourself right with God and accept salvation through the means of grace. And, uh, there you have it. So he, he doesn't just say, well, you know, these people made their choice. And so this is just, uh, uh, pilot doing what, uh, uh, you know, he, he, uh, he, he wants to do and, um, he'll, he'll, um, face the repercussions for his free choices. He, he, uh, you don't even see Jesus uh, turning to that. But okay, so that's the external problem. There is also problems with its internal coherence. If, as if in the classical Arminianism, our free choices are literally causeless, then they are not caused by our character or our desires any more than they are caused by God. And if this is the case, our free choices are totally accidental happenings, unconnected with anything in the past. Okay, I brought that up a little bit early, but that's all right. They are surprises, worse than hiccups occurring during at, at awkward times. Whoops, sorry, I didn't know that I had the shotgun in my hand and I accidentally robbed the, the grocery store. That's right. So these are causeless choices, which doesn't, you know, seem, seem to make sense, right? They're just kind of arbitrary, accidental things that happen if there is no cause for these things. But what if the, uh, the Armenian libertarian sees free choice as caused by the character and desire of a person. Well, Frame says then, uh, you know, he is introducing factors that themselves causes uh, in heredity and environment, causes that precede the conscious life of the individual, right? So maybe it's because of the person's character, how it was shaped and their desires and, you know, how they were born, the family they were born into, their social conditions and all that kind of stuff kind of molded them to do these various things. Oh, really, he says. Well, then now we're having, you know, he says the the um, Armenian libertarianism, libertarianism uh, has um, substituted an impersonal cosmic determinism <laughs> for the personalistic determinism of a biblical creation. So now, all right, fine. The choices are a result of my desires, which are a result of my environment. So now, you know, we have an imperfect cosmic determination instead of God. And so he doesn't see that uh, this is any sort of gain for moral responsibility. My circumstances, my, uh, that were, you know, that worked on my desires caused me to do it. And so now we have impersonal circumstances that are the cause. And that doesn't seem to work either is the point he's trying to make. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, again, uh, if, if you want to say absolutely no determinism <clears throat> whatsoever, you have to ask, was Jesus able to say no to the cross? Was he able to say no to the father? Was uh, Paul in, in writings, Romans nine, was he able to make a mistake there? Well, if, if not, then there is some sort of determinism there that's happening that uh, th- there's there's something that paul could not have done in r- writings romans 9 he, c- he couldn't have uh, uh fallen halfway asleep and and wrote uh for for uh, jacob he hated but esau he loved i'm changing up on you no he, um the 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 way that uh scripture carries out is uh from the the penustus of of 
the the very breath of God that uh, that goes forth. So Paul is not able to make a mistake, and therefore he's determined, in some sense, there to write Romans nine how God wanted to. So it's not he he, he does he lose free will there, and if there, then why not other places, and then why not everything? So all right, so that uh, that does it for this one, and uh, we'll move to his next issue uh, in our next episode. Right. So we kind of broke this up into kind of three parts, uh, Frame does, and we've followed along that pattern. So um, uh, to kind of give the kind of best layout for it, uh, we'll, uh, we'll present uh, uh, another episode on the, on the final points uh, that may be a, a, just a little bit on the shorter side. But, um, uh, you know, it's summer uh, at the time of this uh, recording. So uh, you just uh, uh, go on a shorter run with our, uh, our voices playing here. So. Uh, hopefully this helps and uh, it uh, uh, exposes you to kind of may, maybe different answers uh, than what you're used to on, on the problem of evil. And um, um, you can go out and search uh, cavetothecross.com for more um, uh, short clips that uh, kind of delve into these a little bit more and, uh, and come back uh, as we finish uh, Chapter 7 uh, uh, for the problem of evil, Part 1. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. See you next time.